And good Wednesday to you, Derek Sharp. Here we got some what I found very good comments from Jeff Scott. We'll get to in just a little bit during his weekly press conference. It could not have been easy to get up there and answer questions that mostly were not going to be of a favorable tone. And I thought he was excellent. I think you're going to want to hear them. And I'll toss in some comments myself because obviously for very good reason, the coach is getting some heat and I think at sometimes a little bit over the top. I'll get specific here shortly. Also, Jimmy Horn Jr. settles the situation that I brought up yesterday about him giving a high five to the referee after his second touchdown pass. Also, Amaris Brown, AB spoke. We'll hold on to his comments until later on in the week as we start to look more towards Cincinnati. The Black Cats, that's what they call their defense. They are flying around, and Coach Scott actually said their defense is better than last year and that's the one that had all the draft picks so that's a pretty scary proposition facing the Bulls and we'll keep the Jeff Scott comments on today's show focused on the team and then we'll get more into his Bearcat stuff on Friday's show when we preview that game. We'll also have women's golf coach Erica Brennan in our second segment. She is always a treat to talk to. Her team had a tremendous showing and was on the road for 12 days. You're going to get to hear all about that. Also in our second block, we'll preview a big one tonight for the men's soccer team and kind of explain why I think this is three in a row now I've said is a must win. We'll tell you that today we are scheduled to speak to both offensive and defensive coordinators. Of course, Travis Trickett and Bob Shoup. And then right after we record the new football radio show with Jeff Scott, we're going to transition over to media day for men's basketball. So I'll be able to talk to Brian Gregory and several members of the team as well and watch some practice too. The women's basketball media is soon to come, but I went ahead and got a head start as far as watching the players yesterday. Strolled by the practice. Great to see Jose Fernandez and the entire coaching staff. And I wanted to, you know, start to visualize, since I do play-by-play for women's basketball, what some of these newcomers look like. Now, I told you yesterday, show there were five newcomers, specifically freshmen. We've already spoken to Sammy Puisis and Priscilla Williams, the two incoming transfers from Florida State and Syracuse. And I won't spill the beans on all of the freshmen, but I've just got to tell you, one player that stood out to me for specific reason was Carla Brito, the 5'11 from Spain, who, in my mind, again, that's why I wanted to see them in person as more of a power forward type but whoa, she can handle the ball and she could pass the ball but we'll get more into women's basketball well in a couple of days with Jose Fernandez also seems like a lot of people are excited about the basketball season coming up because the first ever basketball tip-off luncheon has been sold out so if you did not get your tickets for that I guess we'll just have to recap it for you but basketball season is coming up It's also semi-finalist for football awards season, as they say, and Brad Cecil, the center for the Bulls, has been named a semi-finalist for the William V. Campbell Trophy, presented to college football's premier scholar-athlete. Love to see that. Of course, Cecil, a leader on the team, a 3.62 GPA, and a starter in five seasons for the Bulls. Now to Jeff Scott, and we will again save some of his stuff about Cincinnati for later on in the week. And he was definitely expecting some tougher questions and some material that isn't so fun to talk about, namely how the team is playing, how he only has the, gotta say it, one FBS win in now his third season with the Bulls. The record is not good. We get to that in just a little bit. But let's start it all off with, well, the starts for the Bulls, which have put them in too big of holes to climb out of. Believe me, he knows these things and he's trying whatever he can 
to figure it out. I've looked at that, and can we play better in the first half? Yes. Uh, I've studied that as much as I possibly can. Everything that we're doing uh, in pregame, everything that we're doing at the hotel is exactly you know, what I know and the blueprint that I've been given and seen been successful. Quite honestly, I think that they've played better. Those teams have played better than we have, and they executed better than we did. And, and again, that's not what anybody wants to hear. They want to hear that you know, we you know, haven't been feeding them a pregame meal or something, and now we're going to feed them a pregame meal and they're going to play better. But the reality is there's nobody sleepwalking out there. I mean, I would say the, the uh, BYU, that was a weird dynamic, right, being in the locker room for two and a half hours and kind of, you know, shooting your fireworks off maybe a little bit too early before the game started or whatever. But really these, these other games, the guys have been locked in. They've been focused. We've just got out-executed, out-played, out-coached in the, in the first half. And then in the second half, um, you know, quite honestly, the other team gets up. They probably relax a little bit. We get pissed off, and then we, we go play a little better. That's probably a little bit of the reality too. But there's nothing uh, that I've seen any big thing that – we're going to be able to turn over some new leaf and, and go out there. And, and ultimately, it, it comes down to executing and uh, you know, doing the things required to win. And, and uh, those other good teams uh, have done those things better uh, than we have in the first half so far in the season. Now, yesterday, as I always do, when we, by the way, were the only place you could check out the press conference live on Bulls Unlimited, So in addition to providing that service, I always provide the service of tweeting out some of the highlights of what Jeff Scott has to say. And boy, yesterday, it was like anything I said, hence anything he says, is just getting ripped on. In other words, you know, people that want him to lose his job don't want to hear anything. Actually, they do just so they can rip it. So think about it if you're one of those people. Do you really think that if Coach Scott, you know, if the Bulls finish up the season... 1-11, that you're not going to get your wish. Everyone knows what the record is. You don't have to tweet out reminders of the team's record. We're all fully aware. Try and, you know, space out your comments. Your desires are known. I am pretty convinced that people that want him to lose his job, if yesterday he had come out and announced he is stepping down because he's not doing a good enough job, the response on Twitter would have been, oh, quitter. I mean, it's like people can't be satisfied in this situation. But... If you, you know, try and fizzle down a little bit. I thought yesterday he was great and, again, gave long-winded answers in a situation where many coaches would not really even want to talk to the media and would bristle at them. There was only one small, slight bristle that we'll get to in a second, but, again, it was pretty good. So he was flat-out asked by Matt Baker of the Tampa Bay Times to grade his own performance. And, again, not a short answer here. This is a good two and a half minutes. Well, uh, number one, uh, you got to look at your record, right? You are what your record is. Uh, so that's, that's uh, not a good grade right there. I would say I've done a good job of continuing to show up and keep everybody moving in, in the right direction. I think if we didn't have a good culture, I think you'd see a lot of guys jumping ship. Um, and our guys continue to show up every day. They continue to believe in what we're doing. And, uh, and, and that's the way that we're going to you know, continue moving forward. As far as uh, in-game decisions and, and those type of things, you know, we're we're using a, an analytics group that that uh, most people out there use, and uh, I look forward to every Sunday. I kind of get their grade report back and all that on fourth downs and timeouts and, and these type of things, and um, I don't I don't feel that that's been uh, too big of a, an issue there. Um, we we need to be closer in some of these games so that we have more of those kind of decisions at the at the end of the game, but. 
you know, I, I think ultimately my report card is going to be, you know, here by the, the end of the year, and we'll know a little bit more after we have a chance to, to play our entire schedule and, and um, you know, really get off. And like I said, again, it's not making excuses, but it is reality. Uh, if, we, if our non-conference schedule, which was determined five years ago, they, they didn't know maybe where we would be as a program five years later, uh, if that was a little bit different than it is right now, we're three and two and, and everybody's high-fiving and feeling great, and, and here we go. And we really would be the exact same team that we are today. And uh, so, you know, when you agree to play some of those teams, you have to realize that if you're not quite there as a program and all that, you know, that, 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 uh, skate, that uh, record may not look real pretty, um, you know, at the beginning. But, you know, ultimately I didn't take the job to, to go just for a couple of those non-conference games. It's really to, to get our program to have a foundation that ultimately we haven't had in the last 12 years for sustainable success. I mean, uh, it just takes somebody having a good plan. Again, uh, all I'm doing is, is what I know and what I've seen work at, at uh, some other places that have been successful. And uh, I think a lot of the, the uh, things that we've been able to do uh, within our building and, and on the practice field and all that uh, have, have shown some growth. And uh, unfortunately, the, the last stage of that growth process is the results on the field. And uh, so until we have the results in the field, my grade's not going to be very good. And uh, I'm going to continue to show up every day and, and, and uh, continue uh, doing the things required and finding ways for us to improve uh, as a team uh, to be able to get better. He made a good point about people jumping ship. Saw that a report that SMU, basically everyone's taken off after the fourth game because it's not going perfectly. <laughs> going to enter the transfer portal eventually. The only thing that I'll say that I would have had a small critique on the coach was, you know, how he mentioned that if they had scheduled weaker, they'd be three and two and everyone would think things are fine. I would say yes to a degree. He talked about how they came into these games as big underdogs. I would say at this point, you don't want to be a two touchdown underdog to East Carolina like the Bulls were. That's a team that I think you got to be on the same level as, if not a little bit above. Now, Cincinnati, point spreads a lot higher and probably just about right because of how established the Bearcats are. Of course, we could play a lot more from Coach Scott. We'll get more into him later on today with the football radio show set to hit at 6. But I want to wrap it up with how he wrapped up the press conference. And I said he bristled slightly at, in this case, Matt Baker because he was kind of asking those questions, right? And then at the end, he kind of, again, in just a different wording, basically tried to get him to address the type of fans I'm talking about, the ones that are unhappy and who it will take a whole lot to make happy. And instead of, you know, walking off or being short with his next answer, he said this. Well, I pretty much have already said that, uh, but I can rephrase it for you. The truth is we have not played well enough to uh, upset uh, the strong teams that we played in our schedule, being 15, 16, whatever point underdog in, in all those games. We haven't played at a high enough level to go earn those victories versus teams that are really, really good. And the other truth is uh, we've been injured. We've, you know, and everybody has to deal with that at different times of the season. Hopefully this is kind of our early time at the beginning of the season. We get everybody back. And uh, that's, that's part of the truth too. Right? We're not going to use it as an excuse. Right? We as coaches got to get our backups ready to play better. And our backups got to go out there and play better. Right? That's the other part of the truth, right? And, uh, but whenever you watch the film, you know, you go over the, the good, bad, and the ugly. Here's what we did well, right? And, um, and, and, and here's what we can build off of. Here's what we didn't do well. This is what we got to correct. And then this is the, the really bad stuff that can't ever happen again. And, um, 
you're not going to fool your players. I mean, these guys are 18 to whatever, 31 years old, right? You're not going to fool these guys. And so if you go in there and you just try to throw out a, a bunch of stuff to, to try to trick them, they're, they're going to look right through that. And that's one thing that I, I would say, uh, hopefully our guys know that I've been very genuine and real in my assessment of where we are each week. And I think that's one reason that our guys continue to, to show up. If there was ever time for our group to quit, it would be down 41 to 7 coming off of the week before at Louisville and you're playing in somebody else's stadium after you've been away for a week, right? And then they came back, right? And the defense held East Carolina to seven points, which is the fewest they've given up in the second half, or uh, the fewest that East Carolina scored in the second half all season. The offense came back and scored on three of the four drives and should have scored on the fourth drive, right? And so those are the little signs along the way that you see as a coach that even though we haven't got the final result that we want, we're trending and we're going to get there as long as they continue to do that. So uh, that's what I believe the truth is. And, uh, and I believe the other part of the truth is uh, we have an alignment and vision and goals between the uh, administration from the top down um, that is uh, probably greater than it's been at any point in the program history. And I think some of the programs that are ahead of us probably had that consistency in the alignment from the president to the AD to the head coach and, and the facilities and all those things, you know, they did that 10 and 15 years ago and they're reaping that success right now. And so that, that's the other part too, that, that um, we can't do anything about the past, but we can do uh, things about the future. And now we are, I mean, this indoor, we're hoping to get in that next month, right? And then we talked about the stadium and, and all these things. So uh, we're kind of building everything up, um, you know, and, and a kind of a new foundation in a lot of areas all at the same time. And it's like when you're building a house, it's ugly for the first long part of it. And then all of a sudden, at the very end, that's when they start bringing in the tile and start bringing in the, the granite and all that. And now it kind of takes shape. And building a football program and all that is, uh, you know, not, not much different. I mean, I think great example, look at Kentucky, right? What, what Coach uh, Stoops has done there. First three years, not a winning season, right? And in today's society, Shoot, two and a half years, they're, they're pushing reset, right? Well, I'm sure they're pretty glad they, they, they held on because now they've done things they've never done in the program history. And, and really, you can go back and look at a lot of programs um, that, that uh, eventually came out. of. There are certain programs that maybe they've had a lot of success and then maybe one or two years they were down, and a coach can go in there and, and turn that around pretty quick. Uh, but, you know, when, when you go into a place that hasn't had sustainable success, you know, over their, their history, and there's not that overall uh, investment and resource and facility and consistency within coaching staff. I mean, it's not to mention how many OCs and DCs have we had in 12 years. How many position coaches have our players had over the last five years? You know, I mean, that, there's, nobody can sustain that and just, you know, snap your fingers and all of a sudden everybody's, you know, going against really good teams. You know, I mean, all, all this stuff kind of all plays in, into one. So. Uh, I think, you know, for us, uh, no, nobody is um, excited about where we are. Everybody, uh, coaches, players, are, are frustrated, and, and uh, we want to see the results uh, right now. And, uh, and that's okay. You, you need to be, and you need to use that as fuel uh, when you show up to, um, to, to improve and do the things that you can control. And uh, eventually, uh, that's when it'll turn. And I can tell you from personal experience, the Kentucky example is a great example. If you guys didn't know, my folks grew up in small town Kentucky both went to UK I've always been a big blue fan and he's right 
let's get the next coach in here. Nothing was happening in that program. It was always kind of okay. And, of course, when I mentioned that on Twitter, it's like, yeah, but he won five games in year two and year three. What a bad compare. Like, let's not look to rip into everything the head coach says. If you are not happy with the record, again, we get it. I understand the criticisms, but maybe just don't feel like you have to go through your day in rip mode and just realize that if you didn't understand it from the last 10 or 12 minutes, Coach Scott has a handle on things. And again, you can hear more from the coach today at 6 o'clock with our football radio show. We'll put out on Twitter. Follow me at Derek Sharp, D-A-R-E-K-S-H-A-R-P, who the guests are on the show today. Oh yeah, I said that Jimmy Horn, after he scored that great second touchdown, had an incident with the referee. Well, he talks about both of his touchdowns here, and you can hear me in between. Like, previous, like it was a previous play. Man, seven was out there arguing with each other. I told him, like, I'm about to score, like, right now, when the ball come out, we, and so happened, they just so happened to call that play, because I thought it was going to be like a post route, but they called the slant instead, so I called it, and I just knew when nobody would catch me. It looked like you, like, high-fived the referee. Was that true? <laughs> <laughs> nah, I don't think the ref said, nah, he probably was laughing. I ain't really see him, because I thought he, I thought he was Zay, so I tried to hurry up and uh, high-five him. But I was like, oh, it's not tripping it. Because they was calling my here like, J5, J5. And I turned around and shut Zay up. Hopefully he and Zay can get more touchdowns this week. Coming up next, my chat with Erica Brennan of Women's Golf and a preview of tonight's men's soccer match against UAB. This is Bulls Beat. Back to the beat. Bulls Beat continues with Derek Sharp. We told you on yesterday's show how the women's golf team had quite the journey, and it ended up with a school record on Sunday of 273. Melanie Green, you'll hear her referred to as MG. By the way, when she says DS, that's our thing. Dalton Stevens is the assistant coach, and I'm DS as well, so we always refer to each other as DS and the other DS, so that's that reference. And, of course, the two transfers also helping things out. What a journey in more ways than one. There were some logistical challenges, but uh, the team is super flexible and they showed that all the way through. So we headed up to Greenville, South Carolina for the Furman event and uh, MG was not with us. She had been battling illness and first event that she's ever missed. But logistically, we needed to get her to where we were before Hurricane Ian came. And so we actually flew her up one way to meet the rest of the team. And then pretty soon discovered that going back to Tampa was going to be a challenge. Uh, Kind of the unknown with where the track was going. But at the time, it was still headed towards Tampa. And we knew that we may get home, but then we probably weren't going to get back out. Mm. And so we made the decision to just stay out. We... uh, Kept the two minivans. We made the road trip over to Virginia Beach. We did an overnight in High Point, North Carolina. Kind of broke that drive up. Good. And then got to Virginia Beach and actually, I mean, you know, we're pretty much residents of Virginia Beach at this point. (laughs) We lived there. We lived there for a full seven days. But, uh, you know, it was a challenge, but kudos to the team. I mean, they just used every opportunity to kind of grow closer together. And I think out of adversity is is where you kind of discover who your leaders are, and we definitely got some of that clarification. Okay, well, who was the leader as far as you know making sure that everyone had clean laundry, and because uh, <laughs> I'm sure no one packed for 12 days. No one packed for 12 days. We actually did. Uh, I did laundry twice. Okay. Uh, most of the girls, but we all did laundry uh, once we got to Virginia Beach, and and you know logistically, right? Like DS was a rock star as he normally is and, and ran out and got the laundry soap and the dryer sheets and 
<laughs> we started communicating about whose turn it was for the washing machine, and, and we just kind of rotated through and got it done. And so you didn't give him any hard time. Uh, oh, ah, nice new shirt you're wearing there, DS. No, I get <laughs> no, it. I get no, no. <laughs> I get it. It was. Now, you mentioned uh, MG not being around for the first event, and you guys, you know, it, it was a tough one. But, man, oh, man, I guess now that you've explained what happened uh, in between, it, it, it pales in comparison. But uh, being able to recover like you did, recover, having her recover actually physically, and play play as well as you did last weekend, particularly the last uh, round. Uh, take us through the last event there in Virginia Beach. Virginia Beach is our favorite tournament of the entire year. It's so incredible the way the membership at that country club embraces that event. You just feel wanted from the moment that you get on site. And so to have kind of come through that adversity and then just feel so welcomed, it was such a nice dichotomy, honestly. Mm -hmm. And it kind of just set the team up to just be able to exhale uh, as much as possible. <laughs> and the first day that we played, the tournament actually started a day early. And so it was fortunate for us that we were actually in town. So we were able to see the course prior to playing. That's true. But they started the event a day early in advance of the weather that was moving in from Hurricane Ian. So we actually played the first round on Thursday. And it was sustained winds of like 25 miles an hour, gusts of 35. I mean, it was just brutally I, difficult. I noticed the scores <laughs> were high, and I knew there had to be a reason. Tell people exactly how bad that made it. I mean, it was it was uh, it was crazy. Um, you know, snacks were flying off of tables, oh. and push carts were actually blowing over uh, at one point. But um, you, you just knew that you had to just kind of settle in and hold on. Uh, nobody was going to win the event that day, but you certainly could have put yourself well out of position. And so we just talked about executing an incredibly simple game plan. Nothing more than middle of the green. Didn't matter if you had a wedge in your hand, uh, just keeping it super simple. And so they did. They battled and they got everything that they could out of that round. And then Friday was canceled. So <laughs> Friday was canceled because of the weather. Um, that was the day that we actually got gusts up to 60 miles an hour. Tornado watches. You know, we were developing tornado plans for the hotel um and, and just had another day off basically well tell, um, tell me were people i mean was there any i assume the answer is no but was there any consideration of trying to play friday or was that a known off day and you just hunkered down no, we we knew we knew pretty much uh thursday afternoon with that weather rolling in that that was going to be a wash and really smart of the host school Old Dominion to, to kind of have the forethought to start the event a day early. Right. Um, that's really unprecedented, but was really smart of them to do. And inevitably it's what made the difference of us being able to have a 54 hole event instead of a shortened 18 or 36 hole event. And goodness, aren't you thankful that's the way it played out because those last <laughs> two rounds were pretty special, especially the last one. So uh, everyone pretty much playing uh, their best at the same time as what you shoot for. How close were you to getting that? We were incredibly close to all of that coming together. And um, having MG back in the lineup, as you know, that just helps. That's not only our number one player, that's the best player that's ever come through the program. So having her and presence back was really awesome. And then MG is going to go put up 65 in the final round to finish fourth. I mean, it was just such a nice exclamation point to kind of her personal journey that last week. Um, and just seeing that kind of come full circle and her back to, to her fighting form was really awesome. And then to get, you know, sub 70 rounds out of two additional girls, Lauren, amazing, Leo, amazing. Like they just, this year's team 
has just embraced the concept of team in an individual sport. It's unlike any other season that DS and I have ever coached. And the energy is palpable to the point where other coaches that we're playing with are like, Ooh, <laughs> Bull's got something special cooking right now. And so it's cool that even they can feel that, but they play for each other, which is so rare. And so to see that come together after the week or 12 days that we had had to see it kind of end with that punctuation mark was just awesome. Well, the something special is palpable through the phone, so that's part of it. But on the course, it's even better. And another thing that's, that makes that more impressive to me, you talked about how they've come together. You've got two brand-new girls. Now they're experienced, but uh, apart from their talent in on the golf course, so what have Lauren and Alize brought to the team? Alize might be the nicest human on planet Earth, and, <laughs> I, and I mean that with absolutely no exaggeration. She just is is just a calming present i think for the team and she's she's wildly funny uh and it's really her timing like it might not be overt every single time but when she hits you with something it's just her comedic timing is so good and then lauren is <laughs> lauren has this incredible knack of balancing like professionalism and all in for the team and then just those moments of lightheartedness like where you can really just see that they really are still just young people right. doing the best that they can um and so the influence of the two of them man it's just added so much synergy that we we would not be we would not be the team that we are without the the influx of the two of them so it sounds like when you bring in, you know, obviously you knew with Elise as far as what she did last year, making the NCAA and a, just a great player who's originally from Florida that comes from Kansas and Lauren, that they were going to help out. But just so quickly into the season, as, as a coach who tries to optimize everything and be optimistic about everything, uh, could you have seen it happening like this so quickly? We, man, we knew something was cooking up, even in practices and, and just – we, we had a couple of, of really good sessions with Dr. Lee talking about like the type of team that we wanted to be. And, and quite frankly, we've done some of that in the past and, and they've talked about what they wanted to be, but this was the year so far that they really have, you know, the tipping point of then putting that into action consistently. Right. And that's what they're doing. And it's not anything magical. It's not anything that can't be replicated. They're just executing on it and they're just not letting you know, nonsense get in the way of the team dynamic, and it is just so fun to sit back and watch. Congratulations on that record-setting round, and keep it going. Thank you, Coach Brennan. Thanks, Yes, Appreciate it. Just a treat to talk to, and we'll try and get out to practice and talk to a couple of the actual individuals before they head to Tulsa this weekend. Men's soccer tonight against UAB. Why do I call it a must-win? Because there are 10 teams in the conference, six make the conference tournament. There also happen to be six teams that are or have been ranked in the top 25 and four that haven't been. The first three games in the bull schedule are the other teams that haven't been ranked. You have got to come out of that with two wins and a tie. In other words, you have to be the best of that group of four and then worry about knocking off at least one of the top six. You cannot afford a tie or a loss tonight, in my opinion. We'll tell you about it on tomorrow's show. No conference show today because there's been no games the last two nights, but there are a lot today, so we'll do a special Thursday around the American tomorrow, along with, of course, Bulls Beat. Thanks for listening to the Wednesday show. I'm Derek Sharp.